boom, 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 boom. When the night boom, 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 boom. is come, and the moon is the only light we'll see. Hello and welcome to An Englishman and an Irishman Go to the Movies, the podcast that has never been so thankful it wasn't raised in the 50s. With me, as always, is the man who has been searching for 18 years and, bless him, still hasn't found his jar of pennies. It's Sean Ferrick. I knew I drew a map around it. Like, did did, did <laughs> Mom throw it away? No, I burnt it. I found it and I burnt it. Well, no pennies for you then. Well, no pennies for you. You ain't going to find it. <laughs> Do you know who will find it? Keith Sutherland. And then he will probably spend it on cigarettes and then throw the cigarettes on the ground and well, burn yeah. it with them. He is a dime store hoard after all. That is true. Um, piss up a rope. If you hadn't realised, we're going to be talking about Stand By Me this week. The And Sean is so happy. I'm so happy. I'm so Sean happy. is so happy. He's never. I've never seen him so happy and simultaneously so sad. Every time. Every single time. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll get into it, but yeah, every single yeah. time. So the theme for January, kind of going into February, we wanted to... <laughs> sorry, I realised the sentence I was about to say was, we wanted to start the year off being really positive. Now, in hindsight, maybe Stand By Me wasn't the no, way to begin. No, yes it is. <laughs> oh God, yeah. It's like, there, it is my favourite film. Um, yeah. There will and be with, only you know joy coming from me. And the sad bits are even joyful sad. Yeah, you know what? I, without showing my hand too much, I totally agree. It is, um, it is a very unique film, but very joyful. So anyway, the, the, theme of the, pod, the theme of the pod for the next kind of six weeks is the three films that Sean and I each find ourselves re-watching most regularly. So these aren't necessarily the films that we critically think are the best or the greatest achievements, but they're the ones that we find ourselves coming back to over and over and over again, guilty, pleasure or otherwise. Um, and yeah, first up was Sean with his number one, which happens to be your favourite as well. Which yeah. That, yeah, there's going to be that overlap. Um, Stand By Me. Uh, yeah, no, 100%. But before we get to Stand By Me, shall we very quickly see if there is any news to be had? To the news! News team! Assemble! (laughs) Well, this this segment is rapidly becoming the DC Marvel update section of the podcast. A little bit, yeah. But to be fair, they're the two powerhouses that are, I guess, pumping out the most news and the most content, to be honest. Um, so HBO Max has announced, no, sorry, Warner Brothers has announced that it's going to be releasing six films a year from 2020. Pretty much everyone, excuse me, everyone has covered this. Um, four in the cinema and two in onto HBO Max straight away. The first question that raises for me is, which kids do you love the least? Is it the four that you send off to the cinema, or is it the two that you leave at home? Um, I And I have to think it's the ones you send to the cinema. Isn't that weird? Five years yeah. ago, you'd have been like, oh, just leave it on home release to burn. But I could easily... It's now a sensible question. You could argue that from either direction. Yeah, 
Um, I think it's it's well, it's not funny, but it's strange what Warner Brothers, particularly they obviously and Disney, but they are one of the companies this year that have been in the news the most when it comes to home releases and, and the, now because of obviously HBO and DC, but. Um, Wonder Woman was obviously released there on Christmas Day on HBO Max and there is talk of Dune being released directly to streaming as well um, and maybe cut all of that out because I realised that just none of that was to do with any of the DC thing I, I fell down a rabbit hole there no, I'm absolutely fine with the rabbit hole. Oh, you're um, fine with that? Cool. Yeah, All right, no, I'm stays fine in. Because stays actually, in. I quite like I quite like the Dune bit. Um, yeah, because now the producers of Dune are threatening to sue Warner Brothers if they release it directly to streaming. It's going to get messy, isn't it? Yeah. It's going to get so so messy. Now, I don't have a problem with it because um, make it accessible to everyone. Cool. Let's mm. do that. The people I said this before. The people that want the cinematic experience will go to the cinema and watch it. They'll go and watch it on the massive screen. And as long as people want to do that, there will be a business or company that will provide that as something that people will pay for, even if it is more expensive. Dune reminds me of Blade Runner. It is going to have to be seen on a big screen to really appreciate it. It's one of those experiences that I think will be brilliant in IMAX, for example. Um sod it release it on home video as well what's the on home streaming how old are we home video yeah just do it release it all i I don't know you'll still get your money from you know like if it's money uh, i wonder if it's money or prestige because i think it's definitely money whatever Uh, the subject it is 100 percent money i suppose when when it's the producers (laughs) that are threatening to sue it's money if say the writer and director. Exactly. If it's the creative team, yeah. it's definitely prestige, yeah. But if it's the companies and it's the producers, it's 100%. We will make more money out of this if we keep it exclusive to cinemas. Now, like, the, the only ray of sympathy that I think I will throw with here is that these films are expensive to make. Okay, so, yes. and if, if they're looking at something like a crazy loss over... Like, I... I haven't checked the numbers recently, but as far as I know, Tenet, the only reason we don't look at Tenet as a huge cinematic failure is because it was in 2020. Otherwise, it flopped compared to its budget. I, yeah, and you, you'll never know that comparison 100% because you can't recreate mm. a, re, a release like that unless you do it 20 years from now. But that, that will always be in a, in an, in a, on an island, won't it? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I have... I've been, I am a capitalist myself. I I work to earn money. You know, I understand the whole not wanting to lose hundreds of millions of dollars. Cool. Mm. But then you do, you have to weigh that up against accessibility. And of course, until there is, we've all been vaccinated and it's all good. You Mm. need to fucking read the room, lads. (laughs) You know? I'm not ready to be going to the cinema yet. But it just, it massively, the the idea of a TV movie is going to be a thing of the past, isn't it? Because it won't mean yeah. anything anymore. It's Yeah, all right, it didn't get a theatrical release, but does that matter? I think Amazon has been, in fairness, like, I know there's plenty to say about Amazon, but they have been, in a way, Amazon, I, excuse me, of course, and Netflix have been uh, really blazing the trail for, I suppose, home movies, not being yeah. home movies anymore. I think the... Now, we don't get this so much because we're not in the States, but Hallmark, I think, have 
God love them, a very bad reputation when it comes to, you know, movies. Because they'll make about 12 in a weekend. Yeah. It'll be the same film with a different cast. And you know what? And there's a huge market for that. So, I, you know, I get it. Who am I just there going, we've been doing this for years, guys. Like, screw yeah. you. But yeah, like, so a made-for-TV movie is like, you know, ah, does the hotshot lawyer come back from the city and fall in love with the watchmaker in the old country town? Absolutely. Because these 12 films say that it is. Yes. Um, and, and don't get me wrong, Netflix has a bit of that, and I I haven't watched all of Amazon's back catalogue yet. I'm sure there's a lot of that there as well. But oh, when you have sure. them, yeah. you know, things like... Uh, one of the movies that I watched this week was an Amazon... Uh, now I think it did get a cinematic release as well um, and other just you know there's a lot of very good Netflix ones of course um, the idea of sitting at home and watching a premiere now is much more I don't know blasé nearly you know, much yeah, more normal and, and it's, there's plenty of films that I've seen for the first time at, at home like didn't catch them at the cinema for whatever mm. reason so they're my pizza movies like this is going to be a big premiere event. I'm going to get a takeaway in. I've got my snacks. It's still an event. Um, it is, it's all about money. Are they getting the same money from the consumer by having it on the streaming service? And is that... It's maintaining that subscription, isn't it? So you've got that constant income. You've just got to make sure there's enough content on there. Um, so I'm going to play a really quick game that I'm going to spring on you. I have brought up um, the upcoming DC movies that are rapidly approaching hopefully okay. in roughly 2022 do you think it's going to be a theatrical release so taking covid out of the way put that to one side vaccines done cinemas are back up is it going to be a theatrical release or is it going to be an at-home release okay. um, straight to streaming services right um suicide squad which is 2021 actually that will be theatrical yeah if james gunn wasn't if it had died and James Gunn wasn't doing it, then I would say home video. But I think that'll be... That'll There's be... too many names attached to it as well. Like, it's yeah. everyone in Hollywood in, in some way is associated with this film. We are. Uh, agreed, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we can, yeah. We'll accept any percentage of that check, thank you. Yep. Um, the Batman. Theatrical. The Batman. I would say theatrical. Yeah. Um, no, I, I'm pretty sure because I think that's one of those ones that's just going get, to keep getting pushed out. Um, I, I think so it's slated for March 2020 but I think that will be that ain't getting released March until oh, cinemas yeah, no. yeah. It, it, no 2022 yeah it ain't going to be out until <laughs> I didn't even pick up done. on that I just substituted 2021 into your 2020 there <laughs> uh, but so that, 2022 still a while I mean away. it's possible 2022 I guess you know mm. if but yeah I would say theatrical yeah uh, The Flash um, that's slated for November 2022 at the minute I think again, mm, I, again, I would I would think theatrical, but so you've got Ezra Miller. I know Ben Affleck is back for it, and so is Michael Keaton. So I'm more excited for the Flash movie than I am for any Did of the so. others you've said so far. I love Rob Bat Bat and Bat, but um, I'm more excited for the Flash than I am now for the Batman. Yeah, um, same. I think that's going to be theatrical because. What I heard is that the it's obviously going to be based around Flashpoint, and I think that's yeah. their opportunity to reset the DC universe, kick out the actors that you don't want in anymore, and then bring in the stuff that you need to rebrand and remake. I keep Jason Momoa and Gal Gadot and kick out essentially everyone else. So, Aquaman 2. 
yes please <laughs> well, you just want it you don't care yeah, how it comes yeah. um yeah well yeah. see now a tiny confession to make i've still not yet seen aquaman one um and not that i've no interest because i do i really like jason momoa and for for its sins i liked jason momoa in the dumpster fire that we got in the cinema there a couple of years ago um yeah so i'm really keen to see the uh, Snyder Cut. Um, now, I now I say really keen. I'm not even as interested as I was in the least fun Marvel film because DC has obliterated any goodwill I pretty much had toward their story making since Man of Steel. Um, <laughs> not having said that, yeah. I did enjoy one. Okay, I know we talked about this last week, really, really quickly. I don't get the hate that Wonder Woman 84 is getting. I'm yet to see it, and... Um, yeah, I was talking to somebody on Twitter about it, and I think they came down on it really, really hard, and then they messaged me a few days later saying, you know what, it's not bad, it's just not great, Yeah, it's just perfectly fine, and I think a perfectly average movie can sometimes elicit a much harsher reaction, mm. because you almost, you want it to be a garbage fire so that you can slate it, or you want it to be fantastic so you can promote it. It being right in the middle is really boring and annoying. Exactly. How was it? <laughs> it's fine. It's a grand way to spend two and a half hours. Cool. Conversation over. It, yeah. Kind of. It's, it's not a conversation piece, is it? But no. I, I, I need to, I'll probably try and watch that this week, um, and we can have a chat about it. Cool. Hmm. So, so I, I think Aquaman 2 will be... Um, oh, I... I I'm, I'm an idiot. Aquaman 2, theatrical. Sorry. Oh, yeah. you forgot the game. I forgot the game. Uh, <laughs> 100% that'll be theatrical. Yeah, I think that'll be theatrical as well, because one did really, really well. Um, Shazam! Fury of Gods. I'm going to say uh, home release. Home release, which is a shame, because Shazam! is actually one of the better uh, DC films. Just nobody seems to talk about it very much, but it's actually really fun. Have you seen it? No, I haven't seen it. Oh, no, it's good talked fun. about it. I've heard it's the most Marvel of all of the DC films. Like, yeah, it's a it is. Bit kind of tongue in cheek, tongue in cheek and funny. Um, again, on my list. But again, DC have just lost so much goodwill for me. I, I'm gonna put it put it on the back burner. Uh, Black Adam. This is The Rock. Mm. I'm gonna say HBO Max for that one. I don't I've, think it's strong enough on its own. He probably would yeah, bring in... Yeah, but I think Dwayne Johnson is strong enough on his own, so I think that will be in the theatre. And yeah, I think maybe. that's been percolating for so long. I think that's got to be a theatrical release. Um, the New Gods, which I have no idea what this is. Okay, that's got to so be a HBO Max. The New Gods, I didn't actually realise they were doing one of these. So just really, really quickly... Um, so the the big universe resetting uh, thing that they did in the eighties was called Crisis on Infinite Earths, right? Yes, I know. It was written that, by a guy yeah. called Jack Kirby, and that a brought... guy called Jack, probably the most famous person in all of comic book history. I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> okay, I'm testing the waters here, Grant. So you know who Jack Kirby is, anyway. Yes. So Jack Kirby, and he created, I think he created Darkseid, but he definitely created Apocalypse and the New Gods. So Darkseid is one of the New Gods. Um, comes from Apocalypse Me- uh, Metron I believe is uh, part of that as well because he's the one who's kind of observing everything so he's in um, Crisis on Infinite Earths anyway mm-hmm. and uh, who else Big Bard Did you have you seen all of the DC animated series no, oh, not the series sorry the movies no I haven't 
Well, if there's one I could... Well, actually, there's two I could recommend to you. It's Batman Superman Public Enemies and then its sequel, Batman Superman Apocalypse. Because Apocalypse, goes, it directly shows you a lot of these new gods as well. Um, it's really interesting. I, it's, I don't know how they're going to do it in just a movie because it's really lore-heavy. Yeah, I mean, this is like reported and apparently the director Ava DuVernay um oh, yeah. Wrinkle in Time is apparently attached to do it. So Well, never mind Wrinkle in Time, but uh, she's yeah. done other stuff. She's done yeah. other stuff that's good. Um eh, interesting. I think that's a HBO Max though. Uh, Especially I, if they do it in a couple of parts. Could be great though. I hope so. Um so Static Shock. Now I loved this cartoon growing up. It's absolutely awesome. Um and I I want that to be a theatrical release, but I think it will be HBO Max. Cool. I literally, I, I, I was saying this before you came on the air. I never, wa- I knew of it, but I never watched it. He's really, really cool. I, the, I'd recommend watching the cartoon. It's, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, it's very much Justice League adjacent, so they are hmm. referenced in the universe, but you'll never see them. Gotcha. <laughs> Uh, Justice League 2, that'll be a theatrical release. Man of Steel 2, if it what? ever bloody happens. I didn't yeah, know. Okay. Yeah, Man of Steel 2's been on the cards for ages, but I don't know what to do with it. Um, I, I'd love to see it. Green Lantern Corpse has to be a theatrical release. Green Lantern Corpse? Oh, no, I would be. say that'll be HBO Max. Um, no. And depending on, depending on who they have to get, like, I love the Green Lantern comic. I think it's uh, fantastic. It's, as a Trekkie, you'd love it as well. But obviously, we have the horror in our minds of the movie that came out. Um, uh, Which I, I, I kind of like. I see he he was a great Hal Jordan, um, yeah. and I they just it just kind of fell flat. You know what I mean? Um, it, it like it doesn't deserve all of the hate it gets, but it no. also it wasn't great. And it, no, I don't, no, no. I don't think it, it it introduced audiences to the world in a way that was helpful to them. You know what I mean? No. I have a green uh, power ring that can create anything as it will. Yeah, in the comic it looks great when you create a fist, but when you do it on screen, it really doesn't work. And especially and if it's one of the first gun. things you see, yeah, a fist and a machine gun. Really, that's that's the imagination you had. Um, yeah, Gotham City Sirens. Um. Oh, flipping it. Who knows? Um, is that so? Sirens. I'm not sure who's. Is that going to be like? Um, this would be Poison Catwoman. Ivy, Harley Quinn, Catwoman. I would say HBO Max for that. Although Harley Quinn. So is this going to be a sequel, say, to Birds of Prey? In in theory, yeah, it was going to be instead of Birds of Prey. Um, but Birds oh. of Prey, I think they weren't ready to introduce. If you know what, if I had to guess, I'd say DC were thinking we fucked up a few characters here. Let's not put all of our women in one basket and ruin that before we're really ready. Maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Um, the rest, I think, we'll leave it there because there's stuff that's been Nightwing's been on the cards for ages. Booster Gold, I could not care less about. Um, Booster Gold. Batgirl. We've already got a TV show. Lobo. That's uh, been no, on the cards uh, for that ages. Batgirl is not Batwoman. Batwoman is the TV show. Sorry, you're absolutely um, right. Yeah, Batgirl is the one that originally Joss Whedon was doing, and I presume he has since left the project. Um, yeah, and uh, it just they, they just announce the title and hey, it might happen. Um, but yeah, that game wasn't as fun as I thought because 
<laughs> it did sound like fun in fairness. It sounded like fun on the cards, yeah. but basically it's you can justify when you've put Wonder Woman 84 onto a streaming service, you can justify she's just one of the big three. Like, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um before we get on to Stand By Me, there is a couple of things. I've, so I watched two movies last night. There's two things I want to... I say recommend. I want to recommend one of them, and I want to warn against the other. Ooh, okay. I watched Ava, which um, is a Netflix film. It is one of what seems to be a thousand Jason Bourne-like films um, led by a female protagonist. Love that, because the I, I really like the Charlize Theron one. Um which was called Atomic Blonde. That was it. Oh, I really that. liked that film. Atomic Blonde was incredible. Yeah. Um, Peppermint, Jennifer Garner, really good. Was it? I didn't, I didn't see that one. No, I liked that. It's really good. Um, Ava, which is Jessica Chastain. Which, who we like. Who I love. We really, really like. Um, interestingly, the first person she... Uh, spoiler for the first two minutes of the film. The first person she kills is... I've forgotten his name, but the chap that plays Mr. Fantastic in The Fantastic Four. Ian Gruffold? Yeah, something like that. So, but in my fantasy casting, she was my Susan Storm. <laughs> so, like, in the opening film, opening bit of the film, I was like, yay! That's my Fantastic Four! Woohoo! Um, and then she killed him. So, I wanted to like this film so much and did not. Um, there is nothing at all original about this film. Gotcha. At all. Nothing. It is Hollywood doing what it does and saying, this thing is popular right now. Copy and paste, but replace the actors and tweak something in the storyline and make her an alcoholic. None of it hit home with me at all. It was... The action scenes were okay, but Atomic Blonde does it a lot better. Um, uh, uh, Malkovich is in it, of course. Um... But he's brilliant in it. He's really, really, really good as the mentor. Malkovich, yeah. of course. Malkovich, <laughs> of course he's in it. Um, stay away. It's just... Uh, when it's slow, it's really slow. And then when it's fast-paced, it's cool. Um, odd double feature. I then watched Action Point. <laughs> Immediately I, afterwards. I don't know this one, but what is it? This is Jackass, the movie, but makes a theme park. Oh, so it's it's Johnny Knoxville. Yeah, exactly what I thought when I, I remember this coming out. I really, really like Jackass. I think it's really, really brainless, good fun. Love it. I love how you like so poshed up Jackass. What did I say? Jackass. Did I say Jackass? Because saying Jackass doesn't sound right when I say it. I, lo- I love it as well. It's just like you know, like I really enjoy Jackass. I, right? I, I, I really Jackass. enjoy what it's... they bring to the the theatre. <laughs> Yes, yes. I was like, yeah, it's jackass, man. Yeah, uh, did you see when that rhino um, hit him in his genitalia? It was ah, quintessential Johnny Knoxville. So what I don't like is Johnny Knoxville doing serious movies. <laughs> because it's like Bad Grandpa. I didn't like that because it's... Oh, I saw just, that one. Yeah, I thought it was okay. Just, um, just chuckle, chuckle, chuckle. Exactly, yeah. But this... It reminded me a little bit of Stand By Me, even though I watched Stand By Me after it. So it's Johnny Knoxville playing a guy that basically could be Johnny Knoxville. Okay. Um, his daughter comes to visit for the summer. The, uh, the parents are separated. She lives in New York. Um, there isn't really like a combative thing between them. Like It's not like she's begrudging spending the summer there. She's actually 
happy to be there and happy to be spending time with her dad but the usual story the theme park is going to be shut down so they have to come up with some crazy way to boost the numbers and pay off the bank loan but it is for me it's the perfect mix of slapstick a, a proper heartfelt story and oh, nice. just it's it's an hour and a half it's it's easy offense actually no it's massively offensive but it's at worst you've lost 90 minutes but it's got a Solid finish, solid ending. It laughed, like I actually belly laughed for some of it, and it's got a proper bit of emotion to it as well. And I was like, man, how did Johnny Knoxville pull off this film when like they, they had all of the tools at their disposal to do Ava properly? And that's the copy and paste film, whereas the Jackass movie is the one that really got me. So it's I loved- no one expects it of him. Um, yeah, and that's I was I was expecting nothing. I was expecting a couple of giggles, Johnny Knoxville gets hit in the nuts. Cool, no harm, no foul. But this is a movie I will rewatch, and I recommend you people go watch it as well. And please let us know what you think. Did you watch anything over the last week, Sean? Uh, I watched. Oh, I've actually I've just wa- remembered another thing I watched. Uh, I watched two things. So the one thing I watched last night was Sound of Metal, which is starring Riz Ahmed and Olivia Cook. Uh, it's an Amazon film, and it's about a drummer who loses his hearing, and it's treated. It's done dead serious. Um, it's a little too long. It, it's it's quite good, and it was made uh, in such a way to make the audience experience what a deaf person goes through. You know, so does it? Do you think it? Well, I mean, neither of us are deaf, so we can't really speak to that. But do you think it does that? Does a good job on that? It definitely. You definitely feel his frustration with yeah. you know when he can't communicate. Um, there is a switch in the film, and there is a sort of a time thing as well. It's like a lot of time seems to go by very quickly in this film, right? Um, but and but they'll tell you, oh, it's been you know this many months or this many weeks or whatever, which is fine. Um, it's but it's two and a half hours. Oh, that's a big commitment. Oh, is it two and a half or maybe two? It's but it's like I felt it. Um, yeah. And Riz Ahmed is very very good, but it it felt like there wasn't enough script because yeah. I, I swear if he had to tell me once more that he was deaf, I'm like I get it. You've told me twenty times, yeah. Um, but I'm coming. I'm. It sounds like I did enjoy it. I did enjoy it, and it is worth watching, and you will enjoy it. There's some bits that do drag, but it does get better. And the third act is very good as well. So mm. it, it is. Quite it might good. be that since we've started the podcast, I'm watching a lot more movies. But when I loaded up Stand by Me, I was like, "Whew, hour and thirty, cool, yeah. ninety minutes." I really, I'm enjoying shorter movies a lot lot more because start with two and a half hours of footage edit an hour of it and you will have a better movie you will have a tighter story yep um certain things need it like avengers but a story like stand by me uh, and whiplash and lock they don't need two hours to tell yeah. the story whiplash yeah. is pretty tight as well no, you're right. You're right, and and there's nothing. I don't feel that there's anything wrong in saying I enjoyed that, but I feel it could have been shorter. And then the obvious next question is, all right, what would you take out? And said, it's not that I would take out half an hour here or there or anywhere. It's just like mm. trim that, trim that, trim that. Yeah, you know, the long on. extended shot. There is one shot in this film, right, where it's just it's a shot of silence, and he's just sitting there. And again, I get it's to immerse us in the scenario, and that's fine. The shot, I think, is three minutes. And you have to... Like, Get now, out. If I stop talking now on this call and you just look at me for three minutes and pretend we're not... Pretend I can't see you. Like, so take yeah. the awkwardness aside. You will, you will get bored. 
And unfortunately, that's mm-hmm. what happens. It's not like a... I was going to say, it's not like a joke that the longer you repeat it, the funnier it gets. Um, exactly. Sometimes yeah. the silence is just a silence. So yeah, so that's oh. Sound of Metal. The other thing I watched uh, is Death to 2020, the Charlie Brooker Netflix. I have heard everyone go off about this. I'm probably going to watch it tonight. I, do, do you know what? It's... It's a weird... So, if you haven't watched it yet, so I'll go spoiler-free on it. Um, it's getting... It's getting fairly poor reviews, which I... I wouldn't necessarily give it a poor one. It's it's not Black Mirror. And I mean that both. It's not Black Mirror. And it's also... It's not the quality of Black Mirror. No. Um, it is more of a straight-up comedy. Um, but the problem is, when you plaster like Netflix has from the creator creators of Black Mirror... Yeah, you're loading your audience to expect something. Yeah, exactly, and you know it's no, it's better than the no. There is. I was going to say it's not as good as the weakest episode of Black Mirror. No, the the weakest episode of Black Mirror is the Miley Cyrus one. It's terrible. I don't know why it was made, um, and it's far better than that. But um, it is worth a watch, and I think you will enjoy it. But it is, if it was billing itself as the mockumentary about 2020, this isn't the one that's going to go down in history. Yeah. There's good talent in it. Like, Samuel L. Jackson is in it. Leslie Jones is very good in it. Uh, Hugh Grant is probably the scene stealer. Um, oh, and uh, he's pretty unrecognisable, isn't totally. he? Totally. Yeah. yeah. D- initially, I didn't know it was him until I saw his name. Um, yeah. And Lisa Kudrow. You know, and there's, there is funny things in it. But, yeah. I And this one is only an hour and ten. So it's basically, like, just a, a special more so than a yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do watch it. You will mm-hmm. enjoy it. It ain't Black Mirror. How many times does Samuel L. Jackson say motherfucker? I think he said fuck a few times. I don't think he actually says motherfucker even once. Yeah, well, not watching it. Not interested. Um, <laughs> but his wardrobe gets specifically called out in the credits. Mr. Jackson's wardrobe supplied by Giorgio Armani. Whereas everyone else is like, you know, wardrobe by Jill. You nice. know, or by Steve. <laughs> Uh, okay, it's not quite. What that, are they but... trying to say? Yeah. <laughs> right. Shall we? Since well, you didn't really recommend anything there, so thanks, Sean. <laughs> I did. What... I recommended parts of Sound of Metal. Parts and of two I recommended things. Black Mirror. <laughs> yes, you did. Yeah. That is that is true. Um, right. Something you can definitely recommend. Stand by me. Um, I do. Th- give us the synopsis. Uh, Stand by me is the story of four boys who. Uh, in the summer of 1959, they go to find uh, the body of a missing child, and along the way, they lose their innocence, they discover things about themselves, and they are all changed irrevocably. It is one of the feel-good movies of all time. It is, in my opinion, the best coming-of-age movie that has been mm-hmm. released, and... Despite its somewhat grim premise, it's not a a grim film in any way. It does deal with adult themes. I first saw it when I was, I think, eleven. So I was exactly the age oh, of damn. the boys when I first saw oh, it. Exactly. Wow. Which I is, I think, wish one I of could the go reasons. back in time and watched it. About I would. Age. I would love. I was giddy to see what your reaction to the film was going to be because I know that I know it's such a good film. I know it's great and everything, mm-hmm. but I also know that I was, I was Gordy's age when yeah. I watched this. Peak, peak 12-year-old. Absolutely. And it's it's just adult enough to show a 12-year-old, but it doesn't overdo it. Like, obviously, we as adults, we're like, oh, yeah, tick that box. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah. I know what they're talking about. I know what they're talking about. Whereas, you know, you know, the kids are like, yeah, but what is Goofy? 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I would I would still recommend watching it alongside your 11 or 12 year old because there's definitely stuff in it where I'd be like you you do that I will kill you. Like just because yeah. they've done it on TV doesn't mean you can do it. <laughs> I want to fire a gun. No you don't. No 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 no. Uh I so when somebody says oh, it's because I'm a dick when somebody says I've got a feel good movie let's watch it I immediately I'm turned off because when I feel of a feel good movie it's kind of a bit cheesy a bit sappy a bit corny and it's forcing a it's always the ending I dread because it's going to be a it feels like it's going to be a forced happy ending um, this film I loved it absolutely loved it to pieces and I wish I wish I'd caught it a lot younger as well but I'm happy that I've watched it now and I can watch it again um now this this film doesn't miss a beat for me it is it's pretty flawless from start to finish it is um uh, I mean yeah it's my favorite film and I I almost feel like yeah ah yeah it's my favorite film because I will talk about that. Like this could be a nine-hour podcast right now, no problem yeah. whatsoever. Um, it is it's that good. It's it's the sort of film you can write an essay about. Like there is a lot of subtext. There is that losing innocent innocence, coming of age, and uh, having the older teens, the older Kiefer Sutherland's group mm. of teens in it as well, because they're they're on the same journey as the younger kids. The, the if these if nothing else happens and they all stay in Castle Rock this group of four becomes that older group and then takes the piss out of the next younger group that comes up. It's They're all on the same trajectory. There's um, a lot in this episode. Just so you know, I'm going to be referring back to the... There's a fantastic kind of making of... It's called Summer of Stand By Me. Um, and I think as soon as we got a Blu-ray player in... Or not Blu-ray, a DVD player into the house. So we're talking 98, 99... Um, no, I wouldn't have seen it at that point. But anyway, yeah, it was the first one I bought. And on yeah. that is the documentary. So it's interviews and everything about that. And there's there's so many interesting decisions they made, particularly with Ace's gang. Um, and yeah. Oh, I can't, okay. Right. Oh, I can't wait to get into that. Um, okay. So, so let's, let's start from the beginning. Um, lead the way. All right. So the movie opens. Um, so I, I, I just, I cannot stress enough, guys, if you haven't seen this movie Turn off this right now and go and watch this movie. Don't get it spoiled for you. It's amazing. And the reason I'm saying that is because I'm assuming everyone still listening has paused and come back. <laughs> Ian, did you pick up on the rather massive spoiler that's in the very first scene of the film? If I did, it wasn't conscious. I knew it. And, and that's the beauty of it. So it is there. Oh man, I need to rewatch this. Go on. So, oh wait, no, is it the newspaper? The newspaper. Attorney. Oh yeah, no, no, I, I caught that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But did so you it remember just, it, it was, as you yeah, went it was off? Because I didn't. Out, yeah, no, no, I remember. It was working out which kid becomes a lawyer. So as soon as I didn't know which kid was going to be the lawyer. So as soon as he said, "Yeah, Chris went on to law school." Oh shit! I actually dead. heard you say, "Oh, yeah." That that yeah. was why. Um, I don't. I don't think, I'll have to check, I don't think Mel, my partner, caught it because we watched this all together at the same time, which was, if you can watch this with somebody, watch it with somebody. Um, it's, it's a film where it's you can chat through it, well, I mean, not by t- talking over dialogue, but you can chat and it's fine, do you know what I mean? Yeah. As opposed yeah. to, like, there's other films where uh, The Machinist is not a chatting film. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I like, you know, don't know why I thought of The Machinist there, but yeah, they are Schindler's not alike in any Not way. a chatty film. 
Um, but yeah, but you're dead right. Yeah, the newspaper. The headline is Attorney Christopher Chambers dies in. Ah, so I fun. missed the name. Yeah, that's what so, I missed. That's okay, good as it. well. So at least you got kind yeah. of what they were. Yeah. So it is there in the very mm. first scene, and it's that news is what spurs him to then remember the story. So it's it's told yeah. in narration and flashback. So. The narrator, played by Richard Dreyfus, uh, is presumably modern day at the time. So I think that's I think it's nineteen eighty six, um, and thinking back to his childhood, thirty yeah. years earlier, which was the nineteen fifties, and holy shit, Ian, thirty years ago was the nineties. Oh, so we're even we're we're more we are ten years more removed from when this film came out than the narrator is from his childhood thirty years ago. Yep. <laughs> Time is a bitch. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Um, let's talk. Let's initially. Let's. We, we've got to talk about the cast. Oh, uh, I have a. I don't like child actors. Um, nine times out of ten, they're so hit and miss. So hit and miss. So hit and miss, and that's unfair because at the age of eleven and twelve, what the hell do you draw on exactly to act? And it's not, I don't feel like it's something you're born with. Like, how are you drawing on experiences? And if you are, I'm sorry. Like, you should not have experienced that by the age of 11 to be able to translate it into screen. Um, So that isn't a criticism necessarily on child's children that act. It's just not something I enjoy watching. However, these guys are fucking phenomenal. It's Jesus Christ! how well cast this film is. They've just got like 50-year-olds and put them into children's bodies because they are... Oh man, like the sobbing is a little bit eh, but the performances are incredible. It's as if you've plucked out four best friends from school and they've already been on this journey and they just have to reenact it. That's it. And and that's one thing that is they all got together a few weeks before filming and just played video games and they yeah, just hung oh, out I didn't and... Yeah, I didn't know that, but damn that shows in the film. That absolutely shows. Um so we got Gordy Lachance, who is the protagonist, really. Of the, all four of them are as much of a lead as each other, but Gordy is also the narrator. So Gordy Lachance is played it's by Will a, Wheaton. Yeah, you're going to focus on that a bit more. Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton. And uh, he Who is... Who I think is better in this than he is in anything Star Trek. He's brilliant. And it was the success of this that got him Star Trek. Of course it is. Yeah, uh, it's the kid from Stand By Me. Uh, um, and, I mean, he is... I mean, he's, it, it's it's... It's again. It's hard to really say just how good he is in this. Film. He's fantastic. He's so sincere. Um, and what I love is that each one of these kids is fucked up in a very specific way, but it isn't milked. Um, and yeah, it's given to us very easily because the narrator literally describes how each individual kid is fucked up and in which way. But that's enough character background to not have wasted twenty five minutes doing flashbacks into what's wrong with them, but mm. it's it, it loads us with kind of how they're going to react to things going forward. Definitely, definitely. And Gordy's obviously the thinker, he's obviously the deep one, and he's going through not the worst, but certainly a horrific time of his life. He's just lost his brother. His one is most fresh, his, his trauma. Because yes. it was yeah. four months previous. Uh, Denny, who is played by a baby-faced John Cusack. <laughs> Yeah, who's the least believable bit of the film? Because I don't buy that he's the jock. <laughs> Not our Johnny saw, Cusack. That's so important because yeah, like it, when when you picture a jock, are you the same kind of big muscles and? So I know the cool. I know the quarterback is meant to be the skinnier one because they're the ones that do the running. 
um, that you get the ball to them and then everyone protects the quarterback and they get it to the end zone. But even so, he's still not what I'm picturing. But he's so lovely. And then, of course, obviously, he only appears in flashback because he is... Yeah, which is fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the two bloody useless parents. And again, even they're treated with sympathy because they're dealing with the loss of their son. And they're just, oh man, that line when he's... And he says, yeah, that, that summer I'd become the invisible child. And I was like, oh no, who died? And it, it's either, yeah, younger or older brother. And they're just zombies in the front garden. Like, he's towing the same bit of land over and yeah. over again. She's just can't acknowledge him because... And every, throughout the film, they just keep... Everyone who comes up to him says, oh yeah, you look like your brother. Oh, are you going to be anything like your brother? And yeah, it's a horrible reminder for the parents. But I, even if he had survived... Gordy isn't having a great childhood necessarily because he ain't going to be into sports and that's the focus. Even before his brother dies, they're belittling his writing and his storytelling because he ain't the quarterback. Yeah, that's it. Like his dad is all about it's sports and, you know, Denny's future, there's going to be talent spotters at the game and don't distract him with thoughts of girls. So he's obviously no interest in the family side yeah. or anything. And Denny, who is... Uh, fantastic brother going did anyone read Gordy's story oh man he's such a good brother and it's so it's such a relief to see an 80s film that has a healthy sibling relationship from the from the I think the Lost Boys had a pretty healthy uh, sibling relationship Uh, yeah moving on Um, (laughs) yeah moving on (laughs) so that's 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 Gordy's situation Um, yeah just skipping down to Vern Vern Tessio did oh, you? Man. I mean, now have you read the cast list for this? Because this this kid is unrecognizable. No, I haven't. I, I no, I didn't read any of the cast list. No. Do you not know who Vern is? No, I don't know who Vern is. Vern is Jerry O'Connell. Get out of town! What? He is Commander Ransom. He is Mister Rebecca Romaine. Get out of town! That's I spoke him. to him on. Did I tell you? You I did. Can't remember if I said it on yeah. the part on the pod, but I. What did I do? I watched... I must have said it on the podcast at some point. Yeah, I watched... Um, was doing the X-Men rewatch and commented how I didn't really like the original one. And Mr. Jerry O'Connell chimes in and says, Hey, Mystique was good. And I was like, yeah, no, 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 that's fine. Like, Don't take me down. Mystique was great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. No, yeah. I did not know that. He's changed a bit. Yeah, um, he's talking about a glow up. Bless him. He was, he's very funny in the behind the scenes he was talking about. Like, he was like... He was the youngest at the time. And he's like, you know, this is, uh, you know, this is awesome. I get to, you know, I get to say, like, shit. And, and yeah. fuck, but it's okay, because it's in the script, Mom. It's in the script. I can say <laughs> these things. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think they play him really, really well, because there's just the... He's not relentlessly bullied to the point of, why the fuck are you friends with these guys? It is, they all poke fun at each other. It's very, like very mascot, even. maybe? I don't even think... I think that would be too cruel. I think... They're just together, like they're just the four friends, and yeah. yeah, you take the piss out of um, Teddy because his dad's insane in inverted commas, and you take the piss out of Chris because his brother's an asshole and his whole family's an asshole, um, and you take the piss out of Vern because he's fat-ish, um, but he even acknowledges it. It's like, oh yeah, nice, spit on the fat kid, <laughs> and that I love it. I love that so much. Um, we have then Corey Feldman as well, who plays Teddy Bishop. Yes. And his is, in a way, he's got one of the sadder stories. And like yet darkest. he is, like, relentlessly positive. Mm-hmm. 
Um, Talk about different coping mechanisms. Yeah, exactly. What 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 a description. Um, He is one hundred percent. My dad's a hero. Doesn't matter. You know, your dad held your ear against the stove, man. Doesn't yeah, matter. but you that's go through Normandy and see see if see how you come out the other side. Um, and that's exactly his thought process. Exactly, that, that's it. Yeah, you'd be crazy too. Um, he's I yeah. For a second, I was wondering what is the point of the scene with the the chapter uh, Milo and um, Milo, Milo and, and Chopper. Chopper. I was like, what's? But it is all exposing the that his dad's gone has PTSD, um, and in the fifties they did not know. In the 70s, with Vietnam, they didn't know how to deal with that. So in the 50s, they absolutely had no idea what to do with it. So yeah, your dad's a fruit and nut bar. Send him to the, send him to the, the psychiatric hospital. Um, oh, it's hideous. And you just yeah, big man picking on the four kids. Yeah, good for you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, hope you feel good about yourself. Yeah. Um, then we have the well, actually, just just on him. So Corey Feldman. I think of, you know, you were mentioning that, you know, child actors, a lot of the time, and you're right, you know, God, you know, what do they have to draw on? He had, by all accounts, a horrific childhood. Now, he's turned out to be problematic himself as, as time has gone on. Yeah. Um, Corey Feldman. But um, he he had it rough. Um, very, very rough, particularly in the 80s. And then he suddenly exploded as a start. He was... I can't remember what year Gremlins came out, but he was in Gremlins, I think might have been one of his first films. 89? No, sure, this is 86. No, Gremlins. Oh, it was Gremlins earlier, man. I think Gremlins I mean, is earlier, yeah. My Gremlins 80s 2 films was all 90s. over the place. Yeah. Yeah, there's quite um, a big gap, isn't there? And he was in a couple of those Friday the 13th films as well. He's, and then obviously he was in um, The Lost Boys. You know, he was kind of one of yeah, the sorry, darlings 19- of the 80s, sir. Yeah, absolutely. 1984 Gremlins. There we go. Yeah, yeah that, 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 that tracks. Um, and he definitely oh, Lost, see- sorry Lost Boys was the year after this we were talking about this earlier yeah. um, Lost Boys came out in 87 like, it must have been filming next door to each other absolutely <laughs> yeah um, what do you think of Chris I Matt I love everyone I love everyone in this film I really do Chris is the one that I would usually dislike because he's the He's one step away from being a, a bully and not having any friends and just being... Well, Chris? Wait, have I got the right one? The one with the short hair? Chris is the leader of the gang. Yeah, no, he is. But if you look at him, he's the jock, isn't he? And he's... Wait, definitely, yeah. Because he steals the lunch money. His older brother is just an absolute pile of shit. Yeah, but in this film, he isn't. That's what I mean. He's one step removed from that in any other oh, film he might be. Gotcha. But in this film, he's just got a heart of gold, and he is—he's going to protect his friends, especially Gordy. Yeah, and he does. Like there is, there is very clearly there's the four of them, but really it's two and two. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, and one of the so one of their first scenes, um, you have Gordy and Chris. Obviously, they meet. Chris shows him the gun. Chris plays a trick on him. Uh, says he didn't know it was loaded. Yeah. He absolutely <laughs> knew it was loaded. Of course he did. Jesus! Uh, so funny. Um, and they walk around the corner and they bump into Eyeball and Ace. What did you think? Um, well, oh, so my first thought was, oh, Kiefer Sutherland's in this. Like, did he just walk off of the, the lot of Lost Boys and straight into here because he looks identical? Um, 
And I just, I wish they'd given the hat back. That that is the for me that is the most crushing bit of the film, is that they don't give Gordy his brother's Yankees hat back. So this 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 apparently is a question that Robert Reiner has been asked. He's the director has been asked many many times. Back? So he's um, says it in the oh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Sorry, the interview with Kiefer Sutherland yeah. in the making of he brings up the question he was like he thinks that at the end when they're having the face off he thinks i you know gordy should probably make him give the hat back you would with the and, gun wouldn't you it's like uh, before you leave give me the fucking hat and rob says you don't understand ace threw that hat in the bin as soon as he walked around the corner oh because it meant nothing to him he wouldn't oh. even put it on his own head because he wouldn't risk his hair eyeball oh. puts it on yeah it's a not that hat that hat was gone as soon as oh. I, and that was the point of Ace. It was that he was just cruel for cruel's sake. Rob, I hate you. Ugh. Well, Ace has to win, doesn't he? That's the thing. He has to come out on top, and that's. It was a good little scene when they do the road, the the drag race. Um, yeah. And it's how he will not back down, and yet he does have a limit because he does back down to to Gordy with the gun. Mm. Um, I, I kind of wondered where that was going to go. I was like, is he going to shoot him in the leg? Like, I feel like he's not going to back down, but because the movie goes a long way to say, yeah, he's off the rails. He's yeah. he has no limits. He's a yeah, he's a proper psychopath, and apparently, uh, he didn't so much stay in character, but he kind of he stayed away from the boys. Yeah, on that set. makes sense. And. Um, I can't remember whether it was Will Wheaton or Jerry O'Connell said in the making of, they were just like, everything was great and fun. Kiefer Sutherland scared me. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, he'd scare me too. Is that blonde hair? That was such a choice, wasn't it? Like, that wasn't great, a one-off though. movie thing. That was for two movies he looked like that. Yeah, just with a bit more of a mullet than the other one. Yeah, yeah exactly. I was going to say, really quick, the score. Um, I'm going to lead the way on the score. Damn, that's a good score. Um, I was like the stand by me bum 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 that turns up straight away doesn't it uh, he's in the van the, and there is a yeah, bit of music bum, bum, to bum, it, yeah. and man I was tearing up already and I was like I have zero clues what this film is about but that that's pushing me over the edge <laughs> yeah, that was it I was, I was talking to you before we started watching the film I was like hey we're going to do this I'm telling you right now I will weep watching yeah. this film this, this, this is my weepy yeah um and uh actually just what what's your weepy what's your you will watch a movie but you know you will get weepy during um there's an episode of star trek um that i i don't i'm not a crier um so i there's it takes quite a bit to get me weepy but the 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 one where picard falls in love and they're playing the music in the turbo oh, the, in, the, in the jeffrey's tube yeah, lessons. um oh, lessons yeah um, growing up, the film that made me cry most consistently was Titanic. Oh, yeah. However, it's not where you think. Um, the bit that got me where I had it was to... such a well-made ship, and they treated yeah, it like the crap. Damn shit! The engineering behind it—they don't understand. It did take on more than two thirds of its cargo. <laughs> um, it's the it's the bit where the ship is getting flooded, and it's women and children first. Oh, and it's the grandparents that are in bed, and they just they go to bed. Um, he kisses her good night, 
brings the blanket over and they just go to sleep because they ain't got a hope in hell. They're not even mentioned on the list of people that get off the boat. They don't stand a chance. That ruins me. It fucking ruins me. Um, I believe, just to potentially make it even worse for you, I believe that couple are based on fact. as in, yeah. you know, Because obviously Titanic itself is quite fictionalised uh, in yeah. the story that it tells. Uh, I don't even think the boat sank. But um, no, apparently that... Oh, I fully believe that they found those two bodies in bed together, and yeah. Oh, anyway, onto a happier film. Stand by me. <laughs> yes, which is, and it is happier. It's it is the definition of bittersweet. It is, yeah, yeah, it is. And no one. I was going to say, there's no massive tragedy where somebody we know dies, but there's like this film is very tragedy adjacent. Like there's there's lots of stuff that is outside of the film that's happened that's. I'm amazed we don't see more of the boy's family. I, but it's not about. I mean, sorry, I, I no, you're right. It's, but it's yeah, very it's not about him at all. Yeah. Just. Oh, do you mean sorry, uh, Ray Hours, like the the dead kid? Yeah, the kid or, that died. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, he is just um, just very much. Just plot a plot. Device. You know, he is. Yeah. They could be going to see a dead body. They could be going to see a post box. It doesn't yes. matter. The whole yeah. point, like this is absolutely about the journey the journey yeah absolutely um, it's and they even make a, a point of that together film. it's so easy they even make a point of that when, when all the you know the bullies turn up it's like but you drove it's not fair yeah you asshole you skipped the movie ah. <laughs> the bullies are just like why, what did like, you learn why would that like matter like it's like yeah. no but um, but uh, oh, there's so like it, it, it so many kind of just set pieces or whatever but some of the conversations uh, who'd win in a fight Mighty Mouse or Superman yeah which I take issue with um, Mighty Mouse would win because um, Superman has to obey the laws of physics and cartoons don't Superman flies and has <laughs> laser eyes okay so yeah, but you physics, can take your laws of physics the re- um, Superman doesn't fly he jumps really really high yeah okay action comics number one <laughs> Leap over tall buildings. Yeah, yeah, never says that he flies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it mentions it once or twice later on in Superman lore. Yeah, meh, 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 meh. Um, it's yeah. not canon. It's, just, it's OG. If it, didn't oh, happen in, Grant, if it didn't happen in the cage, then it didn't happen. Fair play. Yeah, fair play. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I just, I love it because, and it's the level of conversation. You've got Teddy who has been through some really rough stuff and Vern who... God love him, he's as simple as a plank of wood. But yeah. they're on the useful. same page. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, and now, while all the boys can sit around the fire and they'll all talk about, you know, what is Goofy and they'll talk about Wagon Train and things like that, which yeah. I appreciate more now as an adult because Wagon Train to the Stars turned into its own little, uh, little yeah, franchise A little there. bit. Yeah, yeah, didn't it just? Um, and I love it, the... Uh, the things that seem important before you discover girls. Before you discover... So the way the, the narrator... The narration isn't used excessively. It is used very cleverly. Like, it progresses the story or gives you some context. Um, so when he chimes in with things, it's brilliant. Like, the biggest laugh I had was... Um, it, it's when Gordy's getting chased by Chopper. Absolutely. And it's like, now... Now, all that my Milo said was sick him. But what I heard was Chopper bars. <laughs> the legend I mean, like, is the legend is boom. that whatever yeah. you say chopper and then a body part and he'll go for it so it's like chopper balls and then no 
fun <laughs> so fun fact so as as you correctly said while we were watching this is an adaptation of a Stephen King novella uh, the novella was called The Body The Body um, yeah and even while being made it was called The Body until I think eventually Columbia just kind of went that's we're not releasing a movie called The Body like because it's yeah. just going to be another Stephen King you know kind of it doesn't chop. match the tone of the film Stand By Me this could be the best titled film since the Titanic <laughs> Well, yeah, look, it's it is, it's I, know, I thought Titanic was a bit on the nose. Um, yeah. But uh, in the book, so I have, I've, I've read the novel and it's, I far prefer the film. Um, and it's, I think it's Stephen King's favourite adaptation of any of his works. That was going to be so. one of my questions, actually, because... He loves it. If you yeah. know that a Stephen King film has been made, you have to ask, was he on board of this one or not? Because yeah. there's plenty where he hasn't. Um, and that scene, right, so Chopper the dog. So in the film it says Chopper is the most feared and least seen dog. Yes, I but love in, that line. Which I love. But in the book there's an extra line. It says, uh, you know, the least, or the least seen and most feared dog at least until Cujo came along 20 years later. Because oh, all of his books nice. are connected and he wrote Cujo as well. Yes. Well, uh, and I, I said that, didn't I? When the dog turns yep. up, I was like, he's not exactly Cujo, is he? <laughs> That's what, that was always going to say, like, you know, like, no, Sean, keep it for the pod. Stop it, stop it, stop it. So I, on that, I love the Castle Rock. So I love this Stephen King shared universe thing. Yeah. It melts my brain. And I want to watch the TV show Castle Rock, but I may not watch it until about 20 years from now because I need to watch more Stephen King films and read more Stephen King to get all of the references. Um, because I, I know that Castle Rock draws on a lot of things um but yeah what a fucked up little town <laughs> yeah and like nice things happen and terrible things happen um yeah ace spoiler ace survives this story and goes on to appear in another castle rock story and what you think is gonna happen to him pretty much does you know this good looking suave you know basically hood as they call him shit dime store hood yeah um He's the shit fat mechanic. He didn't oh, go anywhere. No. Nothing ever happened. He never, you know. He peaked in his teens. Absolutely, yeah. And it, there is a savage sense of good. Well, that yeah. And he's yeah. a meanie. He's a drunk, you know. And yeah, that's because, totally checks out. Yeah. And as you said as well, those guys, they don't get out. They don't do anything because they are, when they're teenagers, the kings of their castle. Yeah, that's it. And that's the the theme, really, is getting out, isn't it? It's yeah. being more than what this existence in Castle Rock will let you be. Yeah. Speaking um, of substance abuse, why are these kids smoking? And was that a thing in the 50s? Uh, I think it was. I mean, like, there's pictures of the grandparents handing cigarettes to grandchildren, like, you know, earlier than this. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, not saying it was good. It no. wasn't. But I mean, a Winston after a meal. I wouldn't know. I have not barbecued meat over an open flame. <laughs> um, actually, yes, I have, but not like that. No. Um, but it is, it, it's, it definitely, because even obviously this was being made in the 1980s, so there was still like a, you're not supposed to do this. Yeah, it was getting there, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. How do we um, tell people this was in the 50s? Ah, they all smoked. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it is as gas. Even in the, the treehouse, there they are. You've got Teddy and Chris with cigarettes hanging out of their mouths. And everything is just like, these kids are 12. Yeah, really? <laughs> um, what, one, of the, one of the things that really stands out for me is the, the, the 
way they rib each other and the jokes they have and it's we'll we'll wrap up this joke with give me some skin and that's the blank slate isn't it no hard feelings move on i will rip the piss out of you and your questionable parentage probably around the corner um but some of the some of the insults are brilliant and it just it's that's what kids do it is properly it's believable isn't it that's it they don't i mean often you'll catch yourself thinking wow kids are horrible it's just that they haven't a lot of them they haven't been conditioned to hold back they haven't got the barriers way. there's no boundaries yeah exactly yeah like you know your mom is this your dad is this and you know ha your ears melted you know yeah never ever ever <laughs> don't say, bring you know, up the ear <laughs> yeah, exactly you know or even the way chris speaks to gordy and you know gordy's having basically a bit of a breakdown and he says oh my dad hates me and he goes no your dad just doesn't know you yeah and you're like there's just like there's no airs or graces about it he's like no you're you're and he's not even saying your dad's shit he's just like yeah your dad he can't like you he doesn't know you he hasn't tried yeah. to know you um and the whole like yeah just i'm thinking other oh, different stages of the journey as well they they even become more adult and then also become younger as it goes mm. along as well because you know of like they have the the campfire scene where you have Chris and Gordy talking while the other two are asleep is one of the most adult scenes of the film where Chris yeah. actually breaks down because yeah. he he sees what he sees what's in front of him he sees how people look at his family how people look at him you know did you take the milk money yeah i did because that's what people expect of me yeah but no one even questioned it no one even gave yeah. me a chance to to have not done it um, and he gives the am I right that he gives the money back? He well, he tried to. He gave it to the teacher, but the yeah. teacher then went and bought herself a dress. Exactly. So ev- yeah. ev- he's like, even adults are shitheads. Like it's not just me. Everyone fucks everyone off. Like it's, and they all. Th- so three of them have proper emotional breakdowns, like in pieces. Vern doesn't, does he? Vern has. Oh no, he does. Kind of on the train. On the track, on the the rails. Uh, I mean, but yeah, like, I suppose if you want to call that emotional, I would just call it more of a panic and run. Yeah, but they all stop have, with your kneeling. I think they they break down when they're faced with something they can't handle. So yeah, he's the scaredy cat. So having a train, yeah. yeah, having a train run at you. He's not brave like the other three, so that's his breakdown. Um, when Teddy's dad is brought up, that's his breakdown. Yeah, Chris realizes his family are pretty much disregarded and he hasn't got a future that's his breakdown when Gordy works out that hey my dad doesn't love me and my brother's dead that's his breakdown it's so well put together it's so everyone has their moment and and even even in a way Ace has his moment where he is shown to be what he actually is which is he's a bully but he is not the hard man he thought he was no, he's mortal. Like you're faced with a gun, you can't you can't fight your way out of this one. Exactly. And there's an interesting difference in the novel. Chris fires the gun. In the movie, Gordy fires the gun. I think that's another thing the movie improved on. I, yeah, I, I think the way so. that went because Chris would stand there and Chris would be like, "You're not getting through me, Ace. You're not getting through me." Whereas yeah. Gordy wouldn't have, but no. he would back up his friend. Yeah, definitely. I don't think he would have pulled the trigger in in a second. Oh, when it came to it, yeah, like yeah, I mean, he could have. Everyone would have been like, you know, one. oh look, Ray Brewers has blonde hair now. Chuck the other body in the river. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. 
Um, what else was there? Um, so sorry. When the journey begins, I love the realization that. So where's the food? Ah, shit. Like these kids are not prepared for this journey. At all. They're not equipped to do this, even remotely. And then they kind of gather up all of the money, and it's like, cool. <laughs> this this isn't much. Seven cents for. We only have a buck fifty. All we can get is four cokes, a load of burgers, a load of burger buns. Um, yeah, man, to live like, in the fifties. Oh, the fifties. Uh, and I love it when he's uh, Vern is criticising him for like his breakfast choice and it's like oh yeah sorry maybe a more savvy shopper would have got more for their seven cents <laughs> dripping with sarcasm <laughs> it's so good oh, um, uh, what's your favourite individual moment what's your the, the bit that you kind of crit- no no uh, crit- your favourite like single moment that you look forward to the whole film Chris's Chris's scene at the campfire um, yeah, where he has the breakdown. That's that's it because um, so they they done it a few times and he just he just River Phoenix just wasn't getting it. You know, yeah. it was it was good, but mm-hmm. and so Rob Reiner pulled him aside, right, and he said, "Now what I want you to you know what I want you to go and do is I want you to think about a time in your life when a grown up really let you down. Yeah. You don't have to tell me what it is." Went back in and that take is the one in the movie. <sighs> um, River Phoenix again he had yeah he he had it rough now so sorry probably I'd say everyone listening knows River Phoenix is the brother of Joaquin Phoenix yes Um, and he would could have been what Leonardo DiCaprio is today he was on they that kind of yeah, yeah they came up together really. he was on that trajectory Um, and he was obviously in this film he was in a few others he was young Indiana Jones in I think it was The Last Crusade um, yeah and he was in he was in a movie called My Own Private Idaho which I think at the time was the closest to reality for him which is incredibly sad really if you've seen the, if, you've, if you've not oh, seen oh yeah the film, no it's, it's miserable yeah it is it's a it's a grim, grim it's a classic watch. but it's miserable and you know he he was kind of an all or nothing and you know that was an example of where a film called for him to use heroin and so he used heroin you know it was, there was yeah. things like that that's how he was described um and yes unshockingly perhaps he did die young he died of an overdose he died uh, just outside the viper room which was a club owned by johnny depp um in i think it was 93 or something and yeah, it was, it's obviously awful and horrible, but it adds an extra layer, I think, to the film. Obviously, unintentionally, because nobody knew this while they were No, of course it. not. But now when you watch it and you, you see Chris's struggle to get out and to make something of himself, and he did and still died young. Yeah, it was, it was always... Oh, man. It was always going to be a rough ride, wasn't it? Um, yeah. And it just it makes the performance more makes the character more believable because this kid could man well he he died as well he he because yeah. I, I don't know if you're talking about River or you're talking about Chris because they both, both. had similar trajectories didn't they they did um, no. yeah Chris um, died doing um, def- not even defending friends but defending two strangers but that's what he did he kept the peace that was his job and and that final shot that scene where Chris fades away 
I can't not see River Phoenix in that scene, and that gets me every single time. Yeah, and it's because of this movie. Don't get me wrong, Mm -hmm. but it's also because that's also real life. It is now. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Oh, it's yeah when art imitates life. Yeah, leeches are fun, aren't they? Yeah. (laughs) Why was that the scene that I jumped to as well? Because it does that balance of hard hitting proper emotional storytelling to some ridiculous scenes where yeah they, they come out of the water and hey we made it oh no there's a leech on your neck there's leeches everywhere oh. Oh. oh it's hideous i mean stephen king first of all please stop undressing 14 year olds please stop it take oh. it out of your stories um uh, but it is a brilliant scene it is and you know what as well so now that is you know, magic of cinema. That's a man-made tank, right? So that is a swimming pool that they built for that. Mm. But it's a swimming pool they built for it at the start of production that they then didn't film in for about six weeks. So they said oh. the, the, the guys were saying that by the time we got there, you might as well have just filmed in a river. Oh man, it was grim. <laughs> and it was yeah, it was not that much fun to film in it because uh, it was it was effect. It felt like just they were jumping about in rainwater. Oh, um, that's grim. And, uh, yeah, oh, I was just like, and it is, <laughs> I got love them, you know, poor old Gordy. I mean, I've been through some stuff in life, but I've never had to pull a leech off my balls. Nope, never had to do that one. Oh, that is uh, not pleasant. It's just, his face is perfect, isn't it? He looks down, uh, sees the blood, is like, nope, I'm passing out, I'm out of this one. I love that, I think it's Teddy says, oh, I never met somebody who fainted before, it's like, he hasn't changed him as a person. You know? <laughs> yeah, let me stick a leech on your willy and see what happens. Exactly. <laughs> he probably would the madman. Yeah. Uh, um, I really, really like the running across the bridge ch- uh, train scene. It's so good. Like Gordy's like checking the rails to feel the vibrations. You know it's coming all day long. Of course yeah. the train is coming after them, but. Is brilliant. It's still really, really good. And I did wonder because I know this film is emotional. I was like, "Is it going to kill one of them? <laughs> is is this going to kill Vern?" Like, you, you would think not. Uh, the thing I love about this one, right? So obviously, you can see in the wide shots that yes, there really is a train there. You know, obviously, they didn't just rock up and film it. You know, yeah. It's obviously, but they kept having to film it, right? So, and. You know, much like the scene with River Phoenix and Chris was like, look, I need, you know, come on now. You know, you got to do this series. Got to do the series. And uh, Jerry O'Connell and Will Wheaton, they just, they just couldn't do it. They couldn't they couldn't pretend that they were about to die. Really? You know, they didn't have the range in them. Yeah. So Rob Reiner, who is, by all accounts, one of the loveliest men ever, he, say, he, he says this, he says, well, I feel guilty about it now. But, you know, I was just like, Ugh. so he kind of pulled them up and he was like, you know, you know, you, you guys are not doing this right. I mean, look at all of these cameramen and everything, and they're tired and it's because of you and you are doing it wrong. And again, the next shot where they're tears streaming down their oh, face as they're running across, man. that's the shot in the film. And they get the shot, they cut it, and he goes, gives him a big hug, and he's like, oh, well done, guys, I'm so sorry. And he says, yes, yeah. like, obviously, I would never recommend that you do that, but we got the shot. Yeah, means, ends, meet justification. Yeah. Ugh. That's brilliant. It's not brilliant at all, it's horrifying, but I get it, I would person. do... Like, if you're filming for the whole day and you're just like, I know what's going to work, but I really don't want to do it. Fuck it, I'll do it. 
It's like, you know, sitting there, and I was like, you know, someone throw a rock at his head. Okay, go. <laughs> um, I remember once getting, I, I think this was both a compliment and a criticism. They were saying that I was exactly the kind of person that would make the crack that Chris does. As soon as, you know, the train passes by and he walks up and sees them, and, they're look, and they look like they're pretty seriously hurt. They've, you know, jumped off the track yeah. and they've landed in the rocks. And Chris just goes, well, I guess we know when the next train was due. Wait, you're an ass. <laughs> you brilliant douchebag. I hate you. So um, is there any, from that documentary, is there anything juicy behind the behind the scenes? How was You said there were some interesting decisions that were made. So, and yet, so some of them, um, for example, like what they did with the filming there with the guys um, and keeping Ace away. Um, a lot of, a lot of what happened was Jerry O'Connor seems to have had the time of his life. Yeah. Um, and... You know, it, it, Rob Reiner was saying he found four kids that were the closest to those characters in real life. River Phoenix was, you know, he had grown up on effectively a hippie commune. And, you know, he was much more adult than the others, even at that age. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Corey Feldman was already kind of out there at that stage. And unfortunately, he would only go on to be even more effectively abused in Hollywood after this. Uh, himself and Corey Haim, who was the younger brother in The Lost Boys, they oh, right. would go on and do. They would. They were like the two Corys for a long time, and through a lot of Corey's experience, uh, now quoting him here, he says that River Phoenix's fall really, really affected him because there was a lot of each other in each other. Yeah, and he says he really feels now. I'm sure, like all survivors, probably say this, but he feels that he could have helped. You know, had he had more wherewithal, had you know they've been closer. Um, well, hindsight is brilliant, isn't it? Hindsight is brilliant. But what struck me is that even in the interviews with these actors, who may or may not speak to each other once every ten years, who knows? That they really seemed like their characters. Mm. You know, like there was Jerry O'Connor, absolutely delighted to talk about the script, and you know, this is all great and everything. And you had Corey Feldman, who is incredibly serious, and yeah, stoic. You, know, you you wonder is there a genuine bone in the man's body? But then you're like, no, he's been through a lot of hell. And you've Will Wheaton, um, who was he was very funny because he he seems to even still recognize the fact that he almost accidentally became famous. You know, he went to the film. The film did like huge success. Yeah. Um, and he says he he says he gets asked an awful lot about the deer. So they wake up in the morning after the campfire mm. scene, and he's sitting there reading a comic, and a deer just walks out. Yeah. Why was that so profound? It was. I think it was just this pure moment. It's in the book as well. It's just this pure moment with nature. Um, he says, "Yeah, but people keep going saying, you know, you look like the deer." <laughs> He says, yeah, so it's kind of spoiled the scene for him because everyone says, oh, you just look exactly like the deer in that scene. Brilliant. Thanks. Yeah. My, um, my theory is that that was, take it, that deer had come from a parallel Stephen King story and that deer had killed some people. Right, yeah. I, 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 <laughs> reading Stephen King, that actually tracks. Yeah, that definitely yeah. makes sense. It's Cujo the deer. Um, was there anything that this film didn't do for you? Yeah, some of the emotional bits I did struggle with because you can tell it's kids and they're they're bringing on the tears, but um, it didn't stand out in the story. I just couldn't acting in the eighties, childhood acting, blah blah blah, fine. And so, I think that's fair. That's, yeah, yeah, that's the only thing that stood out for me. But 
I think they did just the right amount with the bullies. The the is it not the Cougar Club? Um, uh, no, not the Cougar Club. That's a very different club. Very different. Uh, movie. The Cobras. The Cobras. Yeah, that's it. Man, the Cobra tattoo scene. Jesus. Oh, with the razor blade. Oh, 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 oh. Oh, thank um, you. Yeah, that's how you get tinnitus. No, tetanus. That's the one. They might also have yeah, tinnitus. tetanus. <laughs> they seem to listen to music very, very loudly. Yeah, yeah. they do. Um, I think that was handled really, really well. That it's just the right amount of scumbaggery, but with some redeeming qualities other than Ace. It doesn't really have any. Um, oh, it's just pure joy. Like, I don't think that the kids were hammy or cheesy. It was they fall out and they make up just as quickly, which I think we've all got memories of that in our childhood, and they drift apart. So after that adventure, they basically say, yeah, Vern and Chris... No, sorry, Vern and Teddy, we basically don't see them and we drift apart. Happens at school. Like, yep. who's... Yeah, it's very, very rare that you're still friends with the... 12-year-olds you were friends with when you were 12. That didn't come out right. But yeah, you, you drift apart. Still 12, even still though 12. you are now 30. Yeah, stop yeah. being friends with 12-year-olds. Um, yeah, and I think the ending is fantastic. Like It's perfectly wrapped up. It's sad. Um, my dad's weird. He gets like that when he writes. And the look on his... Somehow, the look on his face perfectly communicates, I'm still a weirdo. Like I'm still the same weird 12-year-old, but now I've got a job. Um, yeah man I'll just I'll watch this film again it's just a well told story um, I'm not a big fan of coming of age stories but this each character is so meaty there's so much development for each of the kids um, that I just I could watch a TV series based on them I want to see more I want to see them grow up I want to see how they deal with their past that's it it's, it's one of those films that if I could ask everyone nicely never remake this film I'm sure somebody will at some point and like I know there's no different versions of it but yeah. don't don't remake it yeah if it's... you want to remake it just rewatch it um exactly. does everything yeah it does it what did you need what it, it to do it did what it set out to do um and yeah I just think it's I think it's fantastic I think the four of them have had the careers that I think yeah kind of track with the four characters yeah you know um <laughs> You know, unfortunately, yeah, Chris, Chris and River, their their story ended early. Um, Will Wheaton is doing bloody well for himself these days, thankfully. Yeah. Um, you know, um, and then I think in so I just want to really quickly just just kind of talk so some of the differences between the book and the movie. Um, yeah, definitely. You know, now I am, I am huge Stephen King fan, right? And and I have been for for years. And so, but like that, I saw the film long before I read the book. So I, I think I bought the different seasons um, collection specifically because this was in it mm-hmm. and I read it and I it's much so the book is much more I'm speaking to the adult I'm speaking to the 30 plus year old I'm not speaking to the 12 year old even though it's it's a lot of it's the same story right um, there's some important differences as, as I say Chris picks up the gun in the book and um there is mentions at the very start, so in the clubhouse, they just happen to be the four members of their gang who are in the clubhouse when Vern arrives. Oh, so there's more of them. So there's more, but, but but like that, they're then absent from the story just because they didn't come out to play that day. Oh, that's really cool. Um, and again, it just speaks to like that. These the groups of friends you move in yes. when you're younger. The the bullies are a lot meaner in the book and. Mm-hmm. The story, you know, so in the movie, it, it ends when they get back the next morning. 
And the book, and I, I, I feel it was right to leave this out. In the book, the bullies do get their revenge and they basically put the boys in hospital. Jesus. So I was yeah. expect that was one little, I wish the, I don't know how I feel about this. So it makes it more believable that Ace backs off because he knows, yeah, right here and now, I can't win this fight. I might, but there's a chance I'm going to get shot, so it's not worth it. However, this these kids aren't going to have a gun for the rest of their lives. So if it's next week or next month, I will kick the shit out of them. So th- in that case, it's really believable that that's his exit route and that's how he backs off. Yeah. Um, but then it's also kind of like, um, it's a thread that's hanging, isn't it? So I get why the book does it. I'm I'm with you. I'm glad the film didn't. Yeah. There's I, no I, need. I, the story's finished. That, well, that's it, exactly. I, I think there's, there's two two directions that ace went in and i think they're both in my head canon they both exist right in the movie he is shown to be the coward that he is yeah and he slinks away and you know the boys don't deal with him again and in the book they make a fool of him and he gets his so i think both happen do you know what yeah. i mean and you know, he's still top dog so next weekend it's still jesus don't go near ace you know yeah exactly um, but uh, whereas maybe in the movie you know Years later, Gordy comes back to town and Ace is the mechanic fixing his car. A bit like Biff and... Uh, yes! Yes. Uh, George. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, so that's, and then... So the other the other thing that, again, I think I think the book goes a tiny bit too far in this one and it's the fates of the boys. Right? Oh, God. So Gordy, like all of Stephen King's writers, Gordy... Uh, he is a recovered alcoholic by the time... Stephen King loves writing about writers, doesn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Like, every single story. And that's fine. So, that's grand. So, we know that was going to happen. But he's recovered. So, good for Gordy. Yeah. Uh, Chris, same fate uh, as the book. Teddy. um, So, in the movie, he tries to get into the army, but his ear and his eyes keep him out. He did a little bit of time in jail, does odd jobs around Castle Rock, which is fine, that tracks. In the book, I think it's too far, but it does make sense for the character is that he's all about the excitement, he's all about the adventure, yeah. and he's all about taking risks, which is why he decided to drink and drive that night. And so they make a very important decision. They said, if he had only killed himself while crashing his car, he would have achieved legendary status, you know, had a rough... However, there was three other people in the car, so he'll always oh. be remembered as the wet end who killed some innocent people. Oh, Jesus. And that's Teddy's face, which is just like, oh, all right. That puts a bit of a shit on the film, doesn't it? It, it To be honest, no, it doesn't for me. No, sorry, it, no, if the, they uh, included that in the film. In the film, yeah. Exactly. I wouldn't have liked that yeah. to be included in the film. Exactly. And then, so Vern in the film, um, and again, totally tracks, got pregnant out of high school, you know, married a sweetheart, yeah. runs the forklift, four kids. Yep, that totally makes Probably sense. Probably the, movie. the happiest, because he's the most stupid. How yeah, ignorance exactly. is bliss. Yeah. yeah. The least offensive uh, trajectory that he could have had. In the book... Oh, no. <laughs> poor, sweet, stupid Vern. Oh, no. Drunk at a house party while smoking, fell right. asleep, Cigarette dropped on the couch, oh, burned no. the house down. Fucking hell, Stephen! Like Again, it's it's the Teddy fate. Yeah, I the Vern fate. I believe he's stupid enough for that, but that's kind of. But a bit... why write it? Why do it? Like you can choose his future. Like that's mm. unsatisfying for me. I, and for Gordy to be the only survivor, <sighs> I don't like the only escapee. Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah the only escapee, fine. really. 
Chris was as well. So yeah, no, Chris escaped. Yeah. But I just it yeah, I I much 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 prefer the way the film went. Yeah, definitely. Sure. Then the the well, it's it's not a sequel, but the other Castle Rock story featuring Ace. It's called Needful Things. Have you ever heard of it? No, I never heard of it. Uh, it's good. But it's a solid book. It's about basically the devil sets up shop in Castle Rock, and he has a store that has all these little knickknacks. So it's it's exactly what you need, and you don't pay in money, but he oh, will you, get what it what what you owe him. You pay in favors. Yeah, and yeah. it's really good. And yeah, Ace kind of works with him in that, and Ace gets his. Don't worry. Interesting. I'm, I like. I might have to read that. I'm amazed it's they haven't really turned good. that into a film. That's they have. Uh, oh, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah, it's not one of the better adaptations. Although no. um, Max von Sydow plays, um, Mr. I think it's Leland Gaunt is the name of the character. Leland but, uh, Gaunt, what a name! Yeah. So I've got one one more thing I wanted to do uh, say before we had wrap up thoughts, and it's on the subject of Stephen King writing about writers. Um, this is the one thing that didn't do it for me was the cherry pie eating contest vomiting story. Um, Okay, I get it. A kid wrote this story, but it's a bad fucking story. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, yeah, it's... And then he vomited, be... and then she vomited, and then everybody vomited. I like the scene, right, but I always feel that the movie... Ta- like, the movie, you have to wait until you get there, and then there's the movie after that story. It's very much a kind of a... Yeah. It, it, and... It's a, it is a bit out of the blue. I don't really know what we get from it because it doesn't tell me that he's a good writer because that's a shit story. <laughs> there's two stories like that in the novella. There's that one and there's another one and neither of them are... Yeah, like, I'm, yeah. you went on to have a basically a mansion by the looks of it. I hope this isn't what you led with. Um, but what I like is my favourite... But You know what? This is exactly why they put that scene in there. I take it back entirely. And I love it so much. It's the other kids, not even the other kids, it's really just Vern and Teddy that are criticising the ending. It's like, yeah, no, I like the story, but I would change the ending. Or, no, that's not believable. Like, what happened next? What happened next? And it's like, you can tell that that's Stephen King and probably a million other writers in the world going, it's my fucking story. I will end it how I want, and I will end it where I want. The universe stops. That's it. The end. Nothing went on afterwards the kid doesn't go anywhere you don't like the ending don't read the fucking book <laughs> effectively yeah. it's how people take ownership of a story immediately and my god does the Trek audience have something to answer for something to answer for with this as well just because you've watched it doesn't make it yours so if that's how the writers yes, does. if that's how the writers want to end it cool you don't have to agree with it but i would hate it to like have everybody come up to me and say you know what this is how i would have ended the film now, I know that we do that, but I don't think <laughs> I would go up to the writer and say, yeah, your story, I don't like it, this is how I would have done it. There's a fine line there, isn't there, between yeah, actually telling the author and just having yeah. an opinion yourself. I think it's like, it's. I know this is really generalising, but it's fandom and toxic fandom. Yeah, exactly, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's that's Stand By Me. So that's, that's my favourite movie, yeah. so there you go, spoiler um, you no, know, it was a good way to start 2021. I would be careful what mood you're in before you watch it because it it is quite a fragile film and it will plug on some feelings, definitely. Um, mm. I definitely wouldn't watch it if you're in a bad mood. <laughs> and I'd probably watch it with someone. That's it, yeah. Like I've watched this... I don't even know how many times I've watched this film. Mm. Like I can close my eyes now and play it start to finish. Yeah. Um, 
but uh, and I've watched it with people and I've watched it on my own and I think maybe because of what I said because it caught me I, I can tell you exactly when I watched it I was 11 years old I was in my grandparents living room I had no idea what it was but I did know Will Wheaton because I had watched Star Trek so I oh, said, yeah, cool. absolutely yeah. I will watch this and it bowled me away yeah. absolutely bowled me away and then it turned out that a very good friend of mine hello Kieran, if you're listening to this uh it also very very similar got it at exactly the same time in his life and watched it and we then watched it together oh like that's a awesome. dozen times or something yeah that's really um, cool yeah so it's a film with a lot of memory and a film with a lot of weight yeah absolutely but the beauty of it is that i've watched it at the age of 30 now and it's phenomenal like i love it I, I wish i'd seen it when i was younger but it is it really is a film for all ages it really is i love it so thank you for bringing that to me as kind of like the, the first episode of 2021 that's really really cool um yeah loved it so next week it's my turn and i think we're going to do this at the end of each episode if you would like to watch the film with us so that you've got a bit more of a you don't have to worry about spoilers and you can have a chat with us on twitter about it um next week we're going to do lock um, which I think is available. It's obviously available on Prime, but it has been on. It's been on Prime Video for free as well. So if you've got a Prime membership, you can watch it for free. But I think it's about three pound to um to to rent for a day. Um, hour and a half movie. It is one that I have watched. I only found it last year, but I've watched it probably about ten times since then. Cannot wow, okay. wait to talk about this film. Are we gonna? I'm you haven't really seen excited. it, have you? I've not seen it. No, the only thing I know is Tom Hardy in a car. Yeah, that's it. Tom Hardy in a car on the M1. And that put me off for a long, long time. Don't let it put you off. Watch this film. Brilliant. So, yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about next week. Um, Thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll see you next week. Thank you. Bye. Boom, 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 boom. When the night is calm. When the night and the moon has come And the land is dark And the moon is the only light we'll see